Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, whether that location is virtual or physical. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I am a part of Gestalt IT, and each time we meet, we bring to you an interesting premise or a topic that we would like to discuss with a group of luminaries in the IT industry. And I have three such luminaries with me today for this episode, and I'd like to take a moment for each of them to introduce themselves, starting with Rocky. Hey, Tom, I'm Rocky Gregory. Uh, I tweet under at Bionic Rocky. Um, I'm director of wireless for Nike, sportswear company. Hello, my name is Mike Wade. Uh, I tweet under Wireless Kahuna, and I'm a wireless network engineer on my own company, Kahunafi. Hey, ladies and gents, my name is Foster. Uh, Landon Foster is my full name, and I go by at Ace High Wi Fi on Twitter. I'm fairly active there. I work for TechSynap, uh, mostly doing contracting for the public sector. All right, thank you very much for joining us today. Let's dive into the premise of today's episode. Now, we've all spent the last, say, 12 to 18 months kind of sitting around the house doing nothing. You know, it's not like there hasn't been anything going on, except a giant global pandemic. Uh, but we've, you know, we've been forced to work from home or, you know, in some cases, we've been back and forth in the office, but maybe not as much as we used to be. But as we're starting to exit the pandemic, as we record this episode in mid-2021, we're starting to see a lot of pushback from people wanting to go back into the office. They've, they've had time in their home office to do some upgrades, and now suddenly the enterprise office is not a place that they want to be anymore. Well, now companies are asking themselves, what can we do to get people to come back? And we feel like maybe one of the answers to that is a little bit of an investment in some capital upgrades. And because we have three great wireless engineers on the podcast, I'd like to throw out the premise that the secret to getting people to come back to the office is to upgrade the enterprise Wi-Fi. Now, if you follow Wi-Fi a lot, you know that, that the cadence of technology goes really fast. I mean, we've just been talking a lot about Wi-Fi 6 or 802.11ax, uh, which is you know poised to become the, the new dominant technology, but we're also even starting to see rumblings about Wi-Fi 6e, which is 11ax running on six gigahertz in that spectrum. And so that's gonna require a lot of new technology in order to embrace that. So I guess the question that I wanna throw out to people as we talk to debate this premise is, do you think that getting someone to upgrade their enterprise wireless is gonna be enough of a driver to make people wanna come back to the office? Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I just uh, upgraded our world headquarters um, to all Wi-Fi 6. And um, the, the that very question was posed to me. The project came in before the pandemic, but we carried it out during. And that exact question has been posed to me a few times. Will this draw people in? And my fear is actually the opposite, which is we have constraints in an enterprise as far as what we can do. I can't do 80 megahertz channels with five people in them in a corporate office building, right? I can do 20 megahertz channels and have 700 people sharing the spectrum. So my big fear is I got a lot of money to do this giant upgrade and I may not be able to match what people can do at home where they can turn on an 80 megahertz channel. They've got themselves and um, three devices on their network, on their gigabit home network. It, it may be a reason for people to say, I can't go to the office just because of limitations of the technology and expectations being set way too high. So I, I fear for the opposite. 
And you may actually be right there because we are starting to see that, especially because people kind of got a little bit of a uh, little bit of incentive to go upgrade their home systems. So maybe they went out to Best Buy and, and got the, the sleekest looking Nighthawk router that they could that looked like some kind of strange Cylon with all the antennas on it. Right. But I also know that they got a whole lot of money to upgrade their home wireless gear and say, right. you know, maybe they got one new box. But did they get a chance to upgrade their home computing equipment? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's only the latest laptops that are running Wi-Fi 6 com compatible chipsets. And we talked about that gigabit internet connection at home, which is great if you're trying to consume Netflix or you're trying to pull things downstream. Right. Upstream speed still doesn't work quite so well. Do you, do you think that maybe having good, fast, reliable Wi-Fi on a good, fast corporate connection is the right combination there? Yeah, I think that when it's local assets, so when someone's uploading from a building on campus to, you know, the SAN, it's probably going to be better. When they're uploading the box and we've got 100 people in a small building that has a slower connection on our campus, I think they're going to run into the same issues. And I think there's going to be an argument, whether true or false, I can do this better at home still. Why am I sitting in the office? So I, I think it could go both ways. I think that, and I don't think the end user is going to understand, yeah, this is faster because you're connecting to something at the corporate office. I, I don't think they're going to make that distinction. They typically don't. So I don't know that the end user is, is really going to be able to pick up that there's that much of, um, that that kind of activity works better. Does that make sense? I don't know if it did. It does. And, and we're starting to see that a lot because the enterprise workloads are very optimized for those kinds of large scale, quick interactions. It's like, oh, we're going to push all this data to the SAN. Whereas things like Box and other cloud services are optimized for that crazy kind of connectivity that you get when you're sending data to a place in Reston, Virginia or out in Oregon somewhere. And we're expecting a whole bunch of packet loss. So we're going to slow it down so that there's less chance for that to show up. So I can see that kind of coming both ways. Now, right. Mike, you, you're a part of your own consulting company. Are you starting to see companies wanting to deploy faster wireless as an incentive to get people back in their house? Or have they just kind of thrown up their hands and say, there's no way we're going to be able to catch up. We might as well just, you know, call it a day and sell the office. Well, I think it's I think it's a little combination of both. I think uh, we're sort of assuming that it's the the user's choice whether or not they want to come back. But a lot of companies are are not really going to open up 100% and bring everyone back. They're they're going to say, uh, you know, we're going to have our workforce come back 30%, something like you know, just for instance, we're going to bring 30% of our people back full time. We're going to have 30% of them work from home. We're going to have some kind of a hybrid system. Uh, it's it's People have gotten a taste of working at home, and and the ones that like it don't want to come back. Uh, we're in the we're in the San Francisco Bay Area here, and and traffic, like a lot of places, uh, has been kind of nice for uh, about a year. Uh, it's coming back, and it's coming back with a vengeance. Uh, people kind of want to avoid that. Um, we've got some really big companies uh, based headquartered out of uh, out of San Francisco that have. Um, sort of gotten out of future lease commitments uh, in a large way. We got Salesforce, Dropbox, Old Navy, uh, Pinterest. All these, all these had 
some pretty significant uh, lease commitments coming up in the in the near future, and they're all backing out of them. So they recognize it's not that they're reducing their workforce; they're reducing the number of people that are going to be coming back from from working at home. So in in essence, they're downsizing their office because they realize there's no chance for them to get people back in. So you know they're they're going to do what they can with what they've got. Um, mm-hmm. Which again, yeah, and I know that that you you know, <laughs> Silicon Valley in the San Francisco area has always been this really weird pressure cooker microcosm of some strange reality where people are like, yeah, I've got to go into the office at like two in the morning because it's the best time for traffic and all this other stuff. And now that they've had a taste of a regular quote unquote regular schedule at home, uh, they're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to go back. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you're paying that much for an apartment in San Francisco, you probably want to do everything you can there to get your money's worth out of it. But yeah, as I also got a good network connection and and the key what what you said earlier is the upstream. Everybody's on video meetings and and uh, the first few months was, hey, I've got a decent internet connection and you know I've got twenty five, I got you know five hundred megabits down. Yeah, but you got you know two or three up and that's where your that's where your video is going. I've had quite a few uh, executives from from companies that you know now we're working from home and how come how come everybody's connection is is terrible that is going to push the uh, the IT manager the IT uh, group their responsibility is just going to exponentially grow you know i'm responsible for uh, my my building my my site and uh, making tuning that up and making that work you know as best as we possibly can now half the people are working from home and they've all got whatever they have at home we're pushing uh, we're you know, if they're lucky, they're putting an AP in the house and they're extending the uh, the corporate network out, you know, to the to the home. But uh, all of those internet connections that they've got to manage and make sure that they're up to snuff. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 bad thing is is that I can get a really awesome wireless connection for my house, but I'm still stuck with a consumer grade um, upstream connection unless I really want to pony up for a business class one, and, and even that's a hard sell for me as someone who works remotely 100% of the time. Uh, now, Foster, you work in the public sector, and that is a little bit of a different animal because the office for a lot of those people is a government building or a school or something like that. So it might even be a little bit different of a perspective from where you're coming from. Are you seeing people wanting to upgrade in wireless investments as a way to kind of pull people back to the, you know, whether it's the, the, the department of something or the, the school district? I definitely am. Um, it's kind of an interesting situation uh, in the public space because they don't have as much of an option. Um, one of the agencies that I work for is actually going to a hybrid model and they do have significant investment, but it seems like it's turning more, less, qu- less quantity and more quality. You know, they want the connections that are going to be there to be really good while actively rotating the workforce. Uh, so you don't have one guy who's stuck at home all the time. Uh, versus, you know, someone who is living in the office. Um, but you have to look at the other side of the coin. There's things that you can't subject to that. You know, if you're in just, for example, a hospital, what are you going to do? You can't send the patients home, right? Uh, so we're seeing big investment come off that. You know, they're using this chance for a lot of refresh uh, where it's one of the only situations where I think maybe in history they've been able to turn away patients and say, hey, we don't want to keep you for this extra time. 
come back, you know, when the procedure is due and they're actively trying to do that. Uh, but, but they are, they are using this time definitely to re-up their investments, uh, especially I'm seeing a lot in the IOT space come up through there too. Uh, a lot more temperature tracking, you know, looking at uh, vaccines, things like that, uh, keeping a closer tab on it. So it almost seems like the people who aren't there are being replaced by equipment that's being monitored just like the people would, uh, which is an, kind of an interesting concept. And ironically enough, those uh, pieces of equipment that are replacing said people definitely need to have some kind of a wireless connection. Although I think it's very fascinating that you mentioned that a lot of it is IoT-based technology, especially in healthcare, which is not known to be the kind of technology that needs to consume a significant amount of new technology. I don't know of very many IoT devices that are running 802.11ax chipsets or that are even rated to run in six gigahertz. But ironically enough, as those lower bands get more and more congested, whether they're 2.4 or 5, we may see a shift where the users have to participate in the six gigahertz band because, you know, as I've been told for many, many years, 2.4 gigahertz is dead unless you're an IoT device. So maybe this is kind of the the, the chance to to uh, rid ourselves of some technical debt, do a big giant technical debt write-off, leave 2.4 for the, the IoT devices, and then get all of our users on six gigahertz with new devices and new APs. And it's clear sailing until we congest the living daylights out of that one as well. You know, do, is that a potential opportunity to to kind of modernize our infrastructure there? I don't, yeah, definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think it's actually happening now. Um, now, I, I can't speak to the idealization of this necessarily, um, but I'm seeing the 2.4 band get cleared out a lot for voice, which is why I you know, put that caveat out in front uh, for voice devices that aren't capable of the more high-tech bands and people being actively shifted via policy, uh, right? Because if you're using especially a bunch of 802.1x schemes and then policies overlaid on that, you can make it where you're mobile clients can't get on 2.4 where it's it's forbidden and so it leaves more space open you know such as we have on 2.4 for the things that you absolutely need to be connected and i think they're using that in an enforcement sense uh, which is another interesting concept because before people would complain more so it sounds like the technology may not be enough to get people to come back into the office so that kind of then makes me wonder, because I've seen reports from a lot of different companies, including IDC, that said enterprise wireless spending was up last in, the, in Q1 of 2021, like more than a little too. Like we're looking at the possibility of upwards of 25% increase year over year. Now, obviously, there weren't a whole lot of people that were buying upgrades last year anyway. But if the traditional story is to be believed that people don't want to come back to the office, because they rather work from home. Is this a case where companies are spending more money to upgrade their infrastructure in the hopes that the people who are left at the office have a better experience? Or is there something here that we're not accounting for? Is, is, is this just a chance of, you know, maybe these companies are trying to offload gear as quickly as they can so they don't have to have carrying costs? Are we going to see this crash in the last half of the year because nobody really does want to go back to the office? I think it's it's a little bit of both, right? It's um, it it was a good opportunity if you could get money through budget cycle to do an upgrade of wireless, right? There's no one in the office, and I just lucked into it with my upgrade that 
the office was basically abandoned. So I could go in and tear access points out all day long and not affect users. So, but, but that budget exercise had happened before the pandemic. So I struck lucky. I think that smaller companies had that opportunity and if they were able to be nimble enough to seize on it, what a great time to go in and upgrade your Wi-Fi. You got no one there. I think that's part of it. I think another part of it is the, the manufacturers dropped their pants on stuff. They didn't want to be holding on to a bunch of gear. Um, and they, of course, oversold and over-marketed Wi-Fi 6 to the C-suite, right? It's the new panacea. Everyone's going to have five gigabit to every device. Your phone is going to download pages before you look, before you request them. Like all that marketing BS kind of hit in the hype cycle where people were buying at a time that coincided with this pandemic. So I think it's a lot of factors. Um, I think that the, the marketing piece of Wi-Fi 6 probably did happening at the same time that the pandemic happened probably did come to some of the C-suite as a way to draw people back in when all this stuff is over. But I don't know that that was as big of a, of a motivator as the technology change and manufacturers freaking out that they didn't want stock on hand. Mike, what do you think? I very much agree with, uh, with Rocky there. Um, it was a great time to upgrade. The office is empty. If, if the upgrade was coming up and the budget was there, you know, couldn't, couldn't have been a better time. But I've also got customers that were uh, nimble enough to, to see the writing on the wall and make some changes. Some of them had to. Uh, I mean, now uh, customers are sitting outside. Uh, we, we didn't plan on covering the exterior of the, of the site before, but now we've got to. So we had to redesign the network uh, for that. Um, I've got a, a large public venue that went from just standard, you know, order your uh, walk up, stand in line, order your stuff from the, from the concession stand to cashless or cashless. It's been cashless for a while. Uh, touchless uh, vending. You have to sit in your seat, place your order. Maybe you can go somewhere and pick it up, or uh, for the most part, somebody's going to come deliver it to you. But you're not going to go up to uh, stand in line and stand with a bunch of people and uh, possibly become a victim of the current situation. So we we had to readdress the entire design of that uh, of that site. You know the requirements for uh, wireless network have changed drastically in some situations. And if you can, you know, meet the, meet the issue head on, that might, that might be a, a complete redesign. Yeah. That's one of the things that you have to consider, especially from that from the service industry aspect of it. Uh, you know, Foster, what about you? Do you think that maybe the situation is, is that people were just trying to clear out inventory or are businesses just super hopeful that this is the carrot that will um, avoid the pink slip stick? I, I actually would attack it from a completely different angle. Uh, what I'm seeing, seeing from private sector clients is massive downsizing, not in terms of personnel, but in terms of real estate. Um, now, if we can give out, say, 500 laptops and 300 of those want to stay home, we don't need this gigantic office in midtown Houston. So, you know, they're moving, they're saying, hey, we can refit this warehouse for a quarter of our monthly cost in this high rise. 
make it nice and comfy, have a whole section over there dedicated to employee breaks with couches and things like that, and still pay a quarter of the cost because, you know, your, your real estate cost doesn't scale square foot by square foot. It, it's exponential, uh, or at least geometric. Uh, so I, I've seen a lot doing that, but if you do that, that's a good time for your capital spend anyway. So why not go ahead and get some new equipment to move on and make sure this next place is more efficient for your fewer employees, you know, especially with Cisco pushing real hard on the uh, 9,000 series stuff. Uh, I've seen a pretty significant uptake of that uh, across several sectors, not just you know what we think of as uh, the government slash public, but in industrial you know, and more... Uh, typical smaller, I don't want to say retail, but retail like environments too. Yeah. That's one of the things that, um, you know, you have to look at and you can never beat it when people are basically kind of giving away the hardware because they want to get you on something relatively new, um, to take advantage of some of those interesting ideas. Maybe it's something that they can enable later that would give you, uh, you know, a better experience or something like that. Well, I, I, I want to make sure that we, you know, we address the premise of the episode directly. I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about it. You know, it sounds to me like maybe enterprise Wi-Fi isn't the only solution to bring people back to the office. But I guess to kind of turn that question on its head for each of you, why should a company upgrade their existing Wi-Fi infrastructure? Let's just assume that they're, maybe they're all the way back on um, 802.11ac wave one, which would be Wi-Fi uh, five for most of the people at home, you know, is that going to last for a while? Should we even care if we don't have people coming into the office? Should we wait and see if there are going to be better opportunities to utilize Wi-Fi 6E in the future? Is this a case of people just having money to burn in their pocket that they would need to get rid of? Why should a company look at doing a wireless upgrade or really even should they? Yeah, um, I think had I, you know, had I the the ability to wait another year and a half to do this this big upgrade that I just did for my company's campus, I probably would have um, to go to 6E. Um, it's it's a complete revolution rather than an evolution of the technology as far as how many APs I can cram into an area. Um, without interfering with myself and for the user density that I have. Now, if someone doesn't have that luxury, if they have money they need to spend, I think that people are going to be more used to kind of working where they want in the space that they're occupying. So I don't want to be chained to my cubicle. I want to go hang out, you know, like Mike said, outside the building, or I want to go to this you know, break room and hang out with my laptop there. People have this expectation of being able to just walk around anywhere and get the same kind of coverage because that's what they've had at home. So it, the, the use case is still going to be there and it's going to be, people are going to end up in places that you didn't expect them because, hey, I can just jump on Zoom. I don't have to be chained to my desk, right? I don't have to be in the conference room with everyone. So I, you know, I think that it's, it's a weird time to do an upgrade, but people who don't have the luxury of waiting um, and given the choice of waiting for 6E, um, I would wait. Given the choice of I can upgrade now, um, 
I, I could upgrade now and give people close to what they got at home, I don't know where people are going to fall, right? It's, it's, this, it's this weird time in Wi-Fi with the technology that's coming. You know, I said that six, that Wi-Fi 6 isn't the panacea. 6D looks real damn good, man. And so I have a real hard time spending a lot of money on Wi-Fi 6 stuff right now. I think that's pretty fair. Mike, what about you? Well, I think um, we've been we've been focusing on the Wi-Fi aspect of Wi-Fi, uh, but there are some sort of ancillary technologies that this equipment can can also give us. So you can install a new Wi-Fi network and take advantage of some of the location uh, sensing properties of it. You got contact tracing, you got proximity tracing. You can sort of make uh, make for a safer work environment uh, by upgrading your Wi-Fi. Um, I think that's that's a, a huge motivator for someone who's at the point like Rocky that's uh, upgrading with today's technology rather than waiting for the the new fancy six six E to come out, which uh, is is going to be huge. But if you if you can't you know if you're if you're ready to upgrade now, there are other reasons uh, to upgrade the Wi-Fi. All right, Foster, what about you? Um, I, I would answer the question with a definitive yes. Uh, and the simple reason is the human aspect, right? Mike brought up a great point, and I think uh, particularly MIST was maybe even a, a bit ahead of its time um, integrating what it has on its access points. Uh, I think we're going to see way, way, way more of that coming. Uh, but here's the thing. The structure's getting all shaken up. What you have to answer is, is it better to have the executive in the closed office or is it better to have your introverts in closed offices where they're most efficient and your extroverts out in the open office plan? Because as an introvert, when I was in an open office plan, someone stopped by my desk every two minutes. I had to struggle to get anything done. Now you close me in my office and I have a day's work done in an hour. That translates directly into money and ROI is what fills your balance sheet. Right, so you get that combined with this simple transmission efficiency, let's call it, and I think you've got a winner. Uh, it calls back to what we talked about in the first, you know, the first part of this conversation. You're going to have to make your people at least as comfortable as they feel at home within their expectations of a work environment. And if you don't meet that, it's not that your people aren't going to want to come in; they're going to go to a new employer. I guarantee it. 100%. How many engineers do you know, specifically for us, that are introverts? Because I know a lot. I think that's pretty fair. And Landon, I think you hit on the exact right thing is that in any office, whether it is a small little mom and pop shop, or something a little bit larger, or possibly even in something as big as the offices that we see in Silicon Valley of companies like Google, people are used to a certain standard of working. And that's one of the ways that companies like Google enticed folks to come in was, you know, office snacks and office drinks and fun little spaces that are not your typical cube farm. But for those of us who didn't have that opportunity in years past, when it finally arose and we could go home and we, we had our space that we could work in, now it's going to have to be more to get us to want to leave that space, just like trying to convince people to leave a large com corporate company is not as good as, hey, we have fast Wi-Fi and um, you know you you can set your own schedule. You're going to have to continue to offer those fringe benefits. You're going to have to continue to offer the kinds of things that make people feel 
comfortable and productive. And as much as I would love to see the CEOs in a cube farm, I don't know that any corporation is quite ready to flip the script on its head that much. But if things come down to it, and even the Wi-Fi isn't enough to drag people in, maybe it's time to take some desperate measures. All right, well, that was just about do it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us, and I want to thank all of you for listening in. If you want to check out the latest episode, please make sure you head over to gestaltit.com slash podcast, and you will always find our latest episode along with uh, several of the other ones that we've recorded. And if you want to follow along on your mobile device, you can check us out in your favorite podcast application of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Overcast or any of the other ones. And uh, you can subscribe to our feed. You can also leave us a rating if you're in iTunes. Um, you know, tell us, tell people what you think of the podcast in a review because people actually do read those things and it will help them understand what we're about and the fact that we actually do use the word premise correctly when we're debating these ideas. So we would love to hear what you have to say. And if you have any ideas or suggestions for a premise for a future episode, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Gestalt IT, and we're always interested to hear what you have to say out there. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, our great guests and all the folks here at Gestalt IT, including our amazing community, I wanna say thank you very much for tuning in. And we will be back with another episode very soon. <laughs>